0: Welcome to the Arts Report, CITR 101.9 Stay on the Arts Report, it's a culture-filled show where we'll talk about two shows at the Revolver Festival by Air Theatre and Mump and Smoot Get your evil clown on! That is correct. Today we have some evil clowns at the end of the show. But first up, we have uh, a review from Tucked and Plucked at the Revolver Festival, which will be continuing this weekend. As well, we'll talk about Feast and Safeguard for the Revolver Festival, which will be continuing through this week. And then at the end, we have the evil clowns Mump and Smoot, and Adam Yanush spoke to uh, two members of the team. And I will be going to see that tonight. And I will report back via social media. But first up, I wanted to give uh, a review of Tucked and locked herstory vancouver's drag herstory live on stage this is produced by zizi theater created by cameron mckenzie and dave devoe aka page cabla and is old and barren. and these are mainstream uh mainstays not mainstream oh goodness no, mainstays of the East Van scene, especially at the Cobalt, where they host shows like Hustla, Apocalypse Stick, um, Sissy, Sock Hop, and more. And uh, it's the queen of East Van, Isolde and Baron, and the baddest bitch, Peach Kabla. Um, and they are husbands, sometimes wives, and Peach is Isolde's drag daughter. And if you don't know what that means, well, then you got to go see Tucked and Plucked. Uh, Tucked and Plucked is drag meets NPR in as much as you get drag performance, you get a drag vocabulary, a little bit of drag history, and you get to hear interviews with local drag queens like Dee Dee, Joni, and Peach, as well as others, talking a little bit about the history of drag from the Dogwood Monarchist Society, the court system, uh, as well as uh, some of the newer versions of drag that are popping up such as this kind of semi uh low rent high and high hilarity version of drag that is old and peach do um so it's not as much about the polish as it is about the pop now uh is is a lewd and crude show and if you've ever seen drag you know that that is expected but if you haven't seen drag it's a fairly gentle intro um Especially when it comes to the actual interviews. The actual interviews are pretty serious. You know, Isolde kind of sets aside her larger-than-life persona, which is necessary for a drag queen. It's not, you know, just a drag person. You're a drag queen. And she sets that aside a little bit to actually have a frank discussion about what drag is meant um, to Vancouver and to uh, the queer scene and the gay community. Now it's running. Uh, it ran the 18th and 19th, and we'll be back again on the 25th and the 26th at 10:30 p.m. and at the Cult, and it's part of the Revolver Festival, which I will go into a little bit more in a minute. Now I really, really enjoyed the show because I enjoy Isold and Peach. I'm a big fan of them. Dave Devoe has been on the show before, talking about the Human Library, and ZZ Theater is uh, growing every year. Um, You got to learn uh, a few pieces of vocabulary, like Tuck, like Bio Queen, uh, like Drag Daughter, Drag Mother. And you get a little bit of the basics of the history in Vancouver. Um, And of course, the performances are amazing. I think my performance uh, that I saw suffered a little bit because they had to rush to Apocalyptic, which is the Sunday night show um every month at the Cobalt and uh so they were a little bit rushed and one of the best things about drag and about uh theater performers in general is that they can turn on a dime and when they can't they'll make a good joke about it that's for sure so it's still very very entertaining but I definitely think that it suffered and I, I kind of wish that his old had kept kept her drag persona her kind of I don't know the best way to say it, man. She's like a, she's like a drag mother of all these babies. And she has this very wise persona that's also very crass in the old style. Um, and it kind of dropped away a little bit as she was interviewing. So, uh, you know, I I think that uh, Isolde is so amazing that she, that when she's high energy, keep it high energy. But uh, other than that, uh, I really enjoyed the show. And I think if you have never been don't really know a lot about drag or about gender performance then this is a a great kind of introduction uh a loud and crude introduction uh to this event and you get to know a little bit about not just the fun dress up but the theater and the history and the serious side of drag and that would be the n p r side obviously. Um, so the show is running from 25th and 26th at 1030 at the Colch. And uh, you can find out more information on up in the slash tucked and plucked Vancouver or at ZZ theater.ca. Now, uh, speaking of the Revolver Festival, let me give you a rundown on what this even is. So uh, you may be familiar with the Neanderthal the, uh, fest, arts festival which um, Up in the Air used to produce but Revolver now replaces that um, and it's running from the 14th to the 26th at the Culture and Venables. Venables um, and you can check it out um, at upintheairtheater.com but um, the basics are that it's a revolving theater um, you get a collection it's like a mini fringe almost you get a collection of up-and-coming and and very 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 different shows from uh drag history to uh the show we're going to talk about beast and safeguard which is movement theater i guess you could call it um you also have a sci-fi double feature you have with ramshackle theater uh there is kayak with jordan hall tucked and plucked Sea of Green by Andy Garland and Brief Encounters as well is part of uh, the show, which is a a collection of connections between various artists put on by the Tomorrow Collective. You can check out all the information at upintheairtheater.com slash revolverfestival. Um, And the point of Revolver is to engage audiences with with contemporary theater um, where it's not just script-based, you know, point A to point B theater, but site-specific, different genres, different subject matter, and, you know, has an adventurous spirit. So it's right up my alley in terms of what I like to see on stage. I'd rather see something ambitious fail than see something boring succeed. And I think that uh, all of the... Collection of theater performances: Ramshackle, uh, Surreal, So Real, Alley Theater, Zizi, Star Star, Robert Leveru and Leveru, and Tomorrow Collective are all examples of people who are pushing the boundaries of theater. Um, so you have the five local and two national companies. So um, it's definitely something worth checking out, and it's going on through the twenty sixth. And uh, I think what we'll do is we'll take a brief break uh, real quick. Uh, and then when we get back, we are going to talk about um, one of our two main features today, um, Beast and Safeguard. And that are two shows that are collected together by Robert Leveru and, uh, and his gang of supporters and collaborators. And uh, th- that is going on uh, through the rest of this week. Stay tuned. Movies are a great way to understand the culture and thought process of a generation. And the 7th Annual Taiwanese Film Festival is taking place at the Downtown Vancouver International Film Center from June 14th to 16th. It will be featuring some of the best Chinese films from the small island of Taiwan. Come and experience a different world and get to know more about the many groups of people living in this awesome city. For more details, please visit TWFF.ca. Again that is twff.ca She's
1: a band. I'm sick and tired of hearing your band playing on and on and on gosh it's so loud
2: man I wish we had a
3: safe place to play music.
2: Yeah, and shows too. The Safe Amplification Site Society
4: is a non-profit group dedicated to establishing a legal, affordable, all-ages venue for music and arts in Vancouver. For more information or to get involved, check out www.safeamp.org.
0: G-O-S-A, the Global Outreach Students Association offers students the chance to learn about global health and international development while providing students with opportunities for practical experience working within disadvantaged communities both locally and internationally. They also collaborate with other clubs to organize global health-related symposiums and competitions. Executive positions are available. Contact them at ubc.gosa at gmail.com. Hi, and we are back, um, and we are going to be talking a little bit about Feast and Safeguard. Now, we have a little bit of music coming up from Elliot Vaughn, who we heard uh, last week, uh, or the week before that, uh, with Chernobyl, the opera, which I saw with a friend, and it was just brilliant. So, the Troika Collective, um, congratulations To them. And so uh, he had said that he was interested in, um, he was working on this project with Robert Leveroux, and it was very, very intriguing. So I thought um, we would bring it to bear here on the Arts Report. Now uh, we are going to play a few clips um, from the show, um, from Safeguard mostly, and these are, Elliot is also in the entry, so please take note of the music and we'll talk a little bit about it during the interview however um there it is look at that um anyway we're having a little bit of sam we're having a whole new uh situation here at um there we go. See, weird, right? I love it. Um, I love intense stuff like this. So this is from the second ver- second piece, Safeguard, two of which um, are both part of the Revolver Festival, Seaf- safe and, uh, Feast and Safeguard. So um, Robert Leveru uh, has recently moved to Vancouver, and he had um, developed um, Safeguard with Elliot, uh, Elliot and Music uh, and uh, for the BC Buds Festival and had developed it with um, as well Kayla uh, on sound and you will meet all three of them during the interview that I'll tell to you um, so they had put together a show Safeguard uh, was very successful and then the Revolver Festival came along and they added Feast with Mob Rob and uh, his collaborator, Mireille, um, they knew each other through dance troupe practice. Now, both of these pieces are movement pieces. There's no text, um, verbal text, they're interdisciplinary, theater, dance, and visual arts, and they, they both have these really this real playfulness. Both are honoring objects, as Rob told me. They're honoring movement, playing with stuff quote-unquote, and mining them until they're exhausted, um, dealing with these combination of childlike and sinister themes that, um, as Robert says in the interview, really come up for him again and again in his aesthetic, um, as well as collaboration and improvisation, both between Robin Murray and Robin and Elliot and Kayla. Um, So uh, the first piece feast is a some sort of like dinner table battle We have two dancers on top of a seven foot dining table and uh, they are quote-unquote getting ready to eat though neither the meal uh, nor the general traditional approach to eating are really respected in in this piece Um, it becomes a investigation of the two ways that uh, the many ways that two people could come together around a table, and the many ways besides using them for eating that table utensils, table plates, and such can be used. Um, Both works, including Feast, came from an image, and it is a very image and movement-based piece, Feast. Um, Very funny, when I saw it in rehearsal on Monday, uh, it had this sinister quality that maybe connects a little bit to maybe my understanding of family. Who knows? Um, but uh, there is also an understanding, too, of uh, a certain childlike quality between these two people. That childlike quality where you can push someone too far and hurt them um, without meaning to, but in a way that's really testing the boundaries of, of a relationship. And so feast uh, Feast ends... It's about a half-hour piece. And then you get to watch people clean. And there's a lot of cleanup. And you get to watch people sweep the floors. They reset the stage. The second piece, Safeguard, is also very, very heavily set up. So you get this kind of beautiful drama of changing between worlds. And you get this movement between worlds. And then you come to Safeguard. And Safeguard is, I would have to say, where Feast is kind of this tea party mixed with the floor is lava mixed with um the uh a conversation in a language that you don't understand whereas safeguard is an imagineer come uh mad scientist and using objects and sound and light creates this sinister but playful world where rob uh Well, he experiments with a lot of things, including movement and sound. So uh, it's a lot less funny than Feast, but uh, it is probably a lot more moving and my favorite of the two pieces. Um, One of the funny things, speaking of laughter, is that when I saw in rehearsal Feast, it seemed sinister, as I mentioned, but then when you see it with an audience, this audience found it very, very, very funny. And when talking to Rob after the event, he said that uh, he didn't necessarily play up that aspect of it, but he did um, find that it was it was something that he he was glad that people found they found their own interpretation of the piece, and both pieces are very much um, for you to imagine. So um, I am going to play for you now um, our interview with Rob Kayla. Mirai and Elliot and we go through some of the inspirations of the pieces as well as the pieces um sound lighting movement uh that brought together as a whole um and then we talk a little bit about Rob's aesthetic um and some of the things that will be happening um coming up for them we'll cover that after we talk to the team so uh yeah please enjoy my conversation with um with Rob and his team about Feast and Safeguard on now at the Revolver Festival um, at The CULCH. Uh,
5: hi, I'm Robert Leverus. I'm the creator and performer of Feast and Safeguard.
1: My name's Marie Rosner. I'm a dance artist. I'm performing with Rob and Feast, and we work together to create some of the movement. I'm Kyla Gardner. I'm the lighting designer.
3: My name is Elliot Vaughan. I've done some sound design, some composition-y type things.
0: In your own words, describe the piece and some of the inspiration behind what we see on stage.
5: I'd say a a term I like to use for the works are visual poetry in a way because I I feel that they bridge genres between dance and theatre and visual arts, that a lot of it is uh, bubbled up through imagery was sort of a starting point for a lot of it. And so that they, they both works, feast and safeguard, started without a, a direct narrative. Um, they were devised uh, in the space. Um, safeguard was storyboarded first, so it began from illustrations. Uh, feast began from a single image. So the fact that they were devised and like a narrative has emerged from them, but ultimately, their image and. Object-driven.
0: Can you elaborate a little bit on the pieces as movement pieces?
1: Well, with Feast,
0: um, we developed it through
1: improvisation, and Rob had a particular image um, that he brought and some different ideas around um, the themes of the piece, which have to do with all the different things that can happen when we sit down at a table together. So we um, mined our different family stories and other stories and um, looked at associations with the objects um, and developed uh, a lot of material um, that way, um, improvising uh, the movement and also writing to source some of the motivations.
5: For Safeguard, it really started from these images and wanting to sort of, it it all has this, Progression, let's say, and so it started from the objects and okay. Well, what happens when I have These and I put them together in this way and I do this and and so it was Slowly choreographed that way again. There was a lot of improv, but ultimately There was a real directive of like where we had to get what was the next step in both works There is a real drive and it's it's pretty basic in its action like we're doing this We're clearing. So that's kind of where the movement came from.
0: Um, When I was watching Feast, I felt like I was watching a conversation that was, you know, in a a language, in a mode of communication that I I don't know. So you have this chance to impose your own narrative, which I think is really great.
1: Yeah, I think every moment is motivated by a, a different play on this relationship that's going on. I think our performances we're leaving some of that open for ourselves as well like we do have some clear ideas I'm not sure how much Rob wants to give away (laughs) about um, the primary relationships that we're exploring but we do like the fact that things um, in our the way we're relating can just change on a dime and uh, how there's this kind of complexity and a a little bit of a paradox in how we relate and um, how hopefully there's a few different types of um, relationships that are evoked. And I think leaving it open um, for interpretation is definitely something that we like while trying to be clear as
0: well. Uh, there is a, a childlike quality to it. Is that something that is part of your process and part of your aesthetic or is that something that is specific to the pieces?
5: I'd say that's a real sort of root of my work is um, I grew up performing in children's theater. I fell in love with theater magic. I fell in love with um, with uh, seeing books on stage. I think the ultimate thing that I'm wrestling with in my artwork is this balance between how can you be a kid and an adult at the same time, um, and how can you keep your imagination alive at being an adult. I play around a lot with family dynamics, and but a little bit more of the, I don't want to say sinister, but the the more difficult side of it. It's not all fun and roses. Like, how, how do we hurt each other? How do, uh, Sometimes we don't know we're hurting each other.
0: One of the, the other qualities about the pieces, especially Safeguard, is uh, the mood and the atmosphere. So I want to talk a little bit about the lighting and sound. What was the process of developing the atmosphere? It's part of the rehearsal process. So
1: um, Elliot was there originally in Safeguard. For quite a long while developing the sound and I came into the rehearsal process to watch Rob perform and we discussed uh, mood definitely and themes that we wanted to pull out and of course this the piece was originally performed in a gallery space and it didn't have like a normal theatrical lighting setup so a lot of what we ended up doing was arrived at because of the way the space was. So a lot of the lighting's on the floor because there was nowhere to put it in the air. And uh, Rob and I went shopping at a flea market to try and find some found
0: lighting objects that would look like they belonged to the world. And um, When it comes to the music, again, was, was that something that was directed from the piece or did you come with your own inspirations, Elliot, when it came to creating... Um, the the sonic atmosphere, so to speak
3: i I came in um once Rob had done a certain amount of work on the piece it had it had an aesthetic already he had a quality of movement it was a grammar there was um a set of objects that were that were i think decided upon a fairly consistent set of objects by that point i think uh, and the first thing I did was I came in, and we just spent hours recording sounds that these objects made. Um, one of the first impulses that I had was was to have the um, sounds made on stage and then spread back into the speakers where they could transform into uh, textures or or beats or or any, any musical material I wanted. Um, and there is a lot of that in the piece, and and I guess that's where the the oral aesthetic developed. It came straight from the objects as well.
0: Whereas with feast, it seemed like a lot of the a lot of the sonic quality was made with the objects, without like you know, just hitting the floor or hitting each other. Um, is that something that you knew would work?
1: Uh, it just all kind, kind of came together that way. Elliot came in and took some recordings of us and um, then came back later. And by that point, we were like, you know, we're making a lot of noise already and there's a lot of rhythm to it. And and then he said, well, you know, it probably doesn't need me that much, really. Um, how uh, how unlike a musician. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, I really... Wanted to be involved in the piece because it's really cool. <laughs> stick myself in that, yeah, take some credit. But, um, but it, it just it's really full of sound and it's really interesting. And the sounds these guys have found, um, they just cover so much ground. It's, there's, there's no room for other noise. Well, there's a little bit, but, but, but really they take care of that. The music for that piece is built into the choreography, certainly.
0: Um, so, I was going to ask about one of the major, you know, any major challenges. It seems like that transition <laughs> is—it's become pretty obvious that that's a, a concern um, because the sets are so different and uh, so much cleanup involved, so many projectiles in both pieces. Now, you've—you've you've decided to allow the audience to see that process.
5: I mean, first of all, these shows are like preset crazy like that when you're working with objects when you're working with theater magic kind of stuff like it's all about the presets so there's a lot that goes on before people even come into the theater to get ready for it Um, a lot happens in the show Um, but something that's really neat about letting people see that transition is it fits in with the work that you know we're not hiding anything there's two very small curtains in this room other than that everything's visible. So, it's part of the theater. I mean, when you do movies, it's everything's, you know, really well packaged and it's and you don't see the special effects. With theater, everything's there like you, you're making magic with the stuff that's just right in front of you. So, I think it's a continuation of that where it's like here you go. This is how it works. And yet still, we try to infuse a little bit of theater magic into it.
4: Stepped out, um, uh, and and that allows us to do. I mean, as you as you evolve, you and obviously th- through development with an audience, which mm. is how our show is probably f- close to fifty percent of what we. Uh, end up with in a show is is evolved on stage. Is that right? You, oh, do you yeah. mean
2: from the beginning of your run? Once you start having audiences, that the uh, show changes from
4: the beginning of a show creation. Yes, yeah. like like now having done the show for twenty five years, <laughs> uh, uh, audiences all every night present new things to us. Absolutely. Really? Still? Oh, absolutely. That's and cool. uh, uh, you know, even things as subtle as the position of the moon will will change the way mm-hmm. audiences behave and therefore change the show. Wow. Um, but uh, uh, so. So there have been refinements that have come out through working with an audience. There are refinements that come out through our skill development and our experience. Um, There are uh, changes that have been made uh, to accommodate uh, bodies that are 25 years, a little (laughs) longer in the tooth. Uh, uh, So there are aspects of that that change. Um, And and the the creative relationship between all three of us, but Mm. in particular on stage between uh, Mike and I, uh, uh, those uh, refinements deepen and develop, and sometimes lighten up uh, areas yeah. too. Right, so some some stuff gets darker, and some gets lighter.
2: And Karen, for you, what's uh, what's important to, to bring a show back like this? Um, what's the challenge for working with these guys to to get things up and running again?
6: <laughs> um, well, this show this show is, is, is pretty simple. It's pretty easy, and it's um, uh, it's it's really pure mump and smoot. It's it's them at their purest. Um, what is that, <laughs> what, what? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that sure element. Um, it's relationship it's okay. all about relationship there's no real plot hmm. the three scenes each have their own little arc but there's no um story development over the course of the hour and a half or whatever it might be this is a um a petite well, there's, show it's, there's a um, the spaghetti um,
0: through life. there yes there is the spaghetti,
6: the spaghetti through. Life. through life? well you would have to see the show <laughs> let's say it gets eaten in one part and, and something else um, happens to it in another um, Yeah, or? <laughs> and and not what you might imagine. So, um, <laughs> um, But it's, um, in a way, for this, this show is very different because uh, they have done it so many times. It is mm-hmm. the most performed Muppet Smith show. Right. And yeah. um, so we, we, when John talks about the show changing from night to night, um, those changes happen within a very set structure. Okay. Um, so my my job at this point really is, is you know, the... Typical things directors do: watching pacing, watching precision, watching to make sure that from the outside everything is reading in the way that it's intended mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I also work with our third performer, Candice Burlingette, and um, uh, you know help help to incorporate her into the show. She she you know, serves as a as a third character uh, of a sort, silent good. character, mm-hmm. um, and, silent uh,
2: compared to the. Um the gibberish yeah. language that
4: you guys gibberish
2: have gibberish stylings of, yes <laughs> what is the name of the gibberish language
4: oh no our gibberish language is umonian that's right yes, yes we are from the planet umo we worship the god of umo so she doesn't speak umonian
2: no she, <laughs> she understands it though yes
6: <laughs> but um in a lot of ways my my job is to at this point to freshen it you know to make sure that Everybody's um, as alive as possible um, in, in, in the moments because uh, you can get used to doing something the same way many, many right. times. And um, usually, in this, in this show, it's tricky because it's, it's, they're so used to doing things a certain way that if you try to change anything, it can really throw them off. Something. And mess with their left, right brain something. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, so does that
2: mean you have to sort of decide strategically when am I going to try to tweak something? Yeah,
6: absolutely. Yeah. Because in many ways, my job is not to get in the way. I, you know, mm-hmm. I work on like everything around them, the lights and all that kind of stuff. But this this show is different. For other shows, um, things are more amorphous because they do tend to have through lines. Um, they have the the relationship goes through more changes. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, there are builds that have to be carefully orchestrated in terms of pacing and timing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's uh, in many ways more challenging. My, my biggest challenge here is, is not to do too much. Hmm. That's
2: <laughs> now, um, your work has been called uh, Clowns of Horror. Yes. Um, is that something you? were striving for when you guys started out is that uh, and and did you well, embrace that uh, do you like that even that, yeah uh, well, well oddly uh
4: well I, I, we have no problems with the moniker at all <laughs> uh people do tend to either focus on the clown part of it or they focus on the horror part of it, right they they, they they putting the two together is not the easiest uh, thing to do if you haven't seen us right um uh, but uh we when we started out, we we quite specifically wanted to deal with fear, with human fears, and hmm. that those were that was one of the strongest uh, 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 elements that both Mike and I had, really? had, were, had embraced. Yeah, why? Um, it's exciting. It's exciting. exciting, and we actually believe that fear is at the root of just about every socio-political ill that, that humans have ever had is that
2: because obviously to avoid it the things people do to avoid fearful situations or
4: facing their fears or absolutely I mean any fear, fear can be anything from uh, the fear of being humiliated in a restaurant for example mm-hmm. uh, to uh, quite uh, serious hardcore mortal fears mm-hmm. of death and Dismemberment or whatever—they yeah. um, uh, can be psychologically based. They can be physically, physical world based. They can be combinations. They usually are combinations, right. um, and they manifest in so many ways—in behavior and, and bodily functions. They manifest in all sorts of ways. So, uh, so it, it was sort of the all-encompassing. Uh, you know, when you're first, we're first writing our first grant applications and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, it, it was to, to us, it was the bottom line a hardcore element that was something that both Mike and I wanted to work from and on hmm. from the beginning. So that on top of that, when we first were working together, we're, we we're, we're, we still are both, uh, horror buffs. We, okay. we love the horror genre. Um, and it is an exceedingly popular genre, uh, maybe the most popular, um, not necessarily the most artistically recognized, <laughs> but uh, certainly popular. And so, yeah, for us, it was exciting. And we also wanted to, it was interesting in the beginning, uh, we had the conceit of, 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 of attacking the art form of clown, uh, of clown performance, mm-hmm. and, and specifically the, theatrical clown performance. Okay, attacking? Um, what do you mean by that? Uh, subverting, subverting, okay. reinventing, okay. Um, challenging, what challenging it. Yeah, I mean, when I I didn't even want to do clown because of my mm-hmm. preconceptions of it, which is were right? quite erroneous. Yes, uh, I, Mike had to, Mike and Karen had to drag me into it, sk- kicking and screaming. We is, all,
2: is that because you thought of it as something that like was done for kids? Yes, something exactly, fun and lighthearted. Yeah. So, you ha- so what was it that you had to be convinced like,
4: that? Uh, well, why are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> why would we do that? Uh, <laughs> I, I think my response to Mike when he actually said. Uh, uh, said we should take this clown workshop. I think my response was I thought we were going to do comedy. Uh, uh, so uh, because I had just had uh, a relatively typical North American uh, uh, attitude towards the right. limited uh, con- uh, conception of what clown was mm-hmm. as an art form, and it is an art form, so it can deal with all aspects of humanity, not just perform for kids it's the only art form you don't say well, somebody says are you a musician you say yes i'm a musician they say oh so you must play at birthday parties for kids uh-huh. nobody ever makes that jump with any other art form huh. uh, clowning is uh-huh. the only one i know of uh, puppeteering maybe comes close but uh, uh-huh. other than that so,
5: so so can i ask you now maybe, looking
2: back and and sort of uh, with the perspective you have now at, at your attitude then what what have you learned or what would you say to yourself back then in terms of what clowning can do
4: um, well, I can do anything, and that was probably the biggest thing our teacher, Richard Pachenko, who created his own unique style of training, a Canadian uh, form of clown training, um, uh, which we perpetuate now. Um, uh, the probably most important thing he taught us was you can do anything. You can do mm-hmm. anything as a clown. there 's nothing you can 't describe. That, uh, first of all, that can 't be done on stage it 's all a mirror for all aspects of humanity, so mm-hmm. you can do anything, uh, and a clown uh, clown on stage can do the same thing. And uh, the, the funny thing was, as we researched it and did our horror and all the stuff, and we'd had a couple, of few tours and stuff, then you start looking at old <laughs> video clips and things of circus clowns, and they were seriously violent and horrific. <laughs> really? Like Oh, they're oh, yeah. burying axes in each other's right. heads. They're, they're, you know, tying a, t- a, a, a rope to a, a clown's tooth and tying the other end to a cannonball and shooting the cannonball out until his t- teeth get ripped out of his face. And, you, you know, it just the stuff that has been done... Throughout time, and clown is it's huh. just a, the the perception, the, the modern North American perception of it is is quite is fairly recent.
2: Karen, can I ask you the, the things that Michael and John do with their form of clowning? What at their best? What do they achieve? What, what what do they do? Maybe better than others? Styles of theater or other shows?
6: I think they provide the audience with huge release um, uh, through laughter. Um, but because they do tackle these things that are horrifying for people to imagine, um, you know, everything from dentists to death to um, spaghetti, you know, <laughs> um, which can be horrifying, believe it. Um, <laughs> um, they, uh, they sort of, um, you know, engage the audience at a level of um, kind of a, a fears that we contain, that we as human beings tend to contain in our day to day life and um and we they sit in us, and they we mm-hmm. live with them um, but the when um, when you see a couple of clowns enacting the most horrific dentist appointment you can possibly imagine which used to be in a version it, of the show. It wasn't a version of the show. Um, now we, no have longer, we have a doctor scene. scene. Oh, I see. Um, but, you know, I mean, these, you know, people are afraid of the doctor as well. There's, uh, you know, all those fears, fears that you carry around um, inside can be... Uh, I still laugh at this show. Yeah. I still laugh because I engage with it at a level of fear, um, but then I am made to laugh because of... Because of, um, well, because they're, they're great comedic performers, um, but also because their particular bent is, um, is such that, um, uh, they, they make you laugh at yourself. Mm-hmm. They make you they laugh at your own you, kind of, maybe? They absolutely disarm, um, you know, undermine your preconceptions, mm-hmm. um, surprise, shock, horrify, um, and, uh. But also at the core of it, there's this incredible relationship between the two of them that's very, very warm. So mm-hmm. it's not like, um, I've seen a lot of clowning or, you know, types of performance mm-hmm. where the grotesque is involved and blood is involved, but there's a, a sort of mean-spiritedness to it mm-hmm. and um, you get a very different effect. This, this ultimately is a, you know, a very warm feeling, mm-hmm. despite the blood and blood. Based on love. Yeah. Right.
2: And uh, Karen, you've, how many Mump and Smoot shows have you directed
6: well, uh, all of them, so that's what? How so, many is that? Seven? Seven so or eight? Seven or eight, eight. eight, we've lost yeah. track. Wow. Yeah. And, and what's
2: uh, what's it like working with her?
4: Oh, it's, it's uh, brutal. <laughs> it's absolutely brutal. That's why she's there. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, she is uh, relentless and uh, makes absolutely no has absolutely no sway when it comes to artistic or other integrity. Uh, sometimes we call her the black hole uh, because we can tell where she's sitting in the audience because there's nothing <laughs> coming out of there. Uh, and uh, but uh, uh, she we're we're all incredibly deeply connected and uh, the, the nature of this work from the moment of creation through to uh, full production and being in front of the audience um, it's extremely personal we're all we're all uh, Karen does her own uh, creation work as well as uh, uh, she has a character named Poxy and uh, self-generated uh, work for performers is it, it's a really personal um uh, intimate form of, of uh, creation and performance, and so we have uh, great trust and friendship with each other, and that's uh, hmm. that's probably the. I, I would assume it allows you to go uh, to a deeper level than you otherwise could.
6: Oh, uh, I think definitely, so, absolutely. And the relationships yeah. that you have, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And there's an understanding. I, I Because we grew up together in a way, and because mm-hmm. I'm involved in the shows from the get go, um, like, you know, often when they come to me with their first ideas, they can maybe mm-hmm. enact 10 minutes of it or Is something that, yeah. you know like they'll just they'll explain it they'll describe it, and it takes 10 minutes and then it becomes a 70 80 90 minute show wow. um so i'm i'm there from from the beginning but it's um but because we grew up together i'm able to understand where they're coming from just in mm-hmm. terms of the the fundamentals artistically mm-hmm. um what they're trying to achieve and also because we know each other so well I'm able to help them um, achieve what they want. My job as a director is not to impose mm-hmm. my vision on them, but help them realize theirs.
2: To realize theirs and to just kind of guide things along, maybe the process. Y- yeah, absolutely.
6: Yeah. And um, but but also, like I am really a stickler for things like timing and for mm. things like precision. And um, because when you have a show that can open up and involve an audience member some, suddenly who yells something out or. Um, you know, they require the audience member to come up on stage for a reason, um, which that happens a lot. Um, It's really essential that the rest of the show is very tight and very Mm -hmm. controlled so that you've got that kind of freedom. Great.
2: Well, we are out of time. (laughs) Are you guys uh, excited for for the opening tonight? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. Uh, Hugely excited. Vancouver's uh, one of our favorite spots, absolutely yeah. best T-shirt sales ever. <laughs> uh, right? I don't know if it's you the West Coast thing them. or what. The, yeah, no, but uh, we've always had a great time here. We love the culture. The, mm-hmm, the Vancouver's cultural center is uh, is a home away from home. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's a it's a great theater, and the people there are wonderful. Um, But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, no, we're totally excited, totally jazzed.
6: This is a gem of a show, and I told my mother that we're doing it. My mother is is quite elderly, and she has... Very little memory at the moment, but when I said, "Do you remember something?" The one with the spaghetti, she went, "Oh yes!" <laughs> the spaghetti thing is now like it's her
4: favorite show. of yeah. All of her. it was our first show, and she she watched us grow up from the beginning too. And it was, her, yeah. it, was her, it was always her favorite show, show. I can't wait to figure out what the spaghetti. Thing is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. Thank, Thank you. you.
0: Thank you so much to Adam Janusz for speaking to um, Smoot and director of Love and Smoot. You're listening to Entry of the Gladiators. Um, This is actually what many associate as the clown song. Entrance of the Gladiators. They are gladiators. Um, Today was a show all about the cult and a show all about clowning Um, because during Tucked and Plucked, Vancouver's Drag Herstory live on stage at the CULCH as part of the Revolver Festival produced by ZZ Theatre, which is coming on May 25th and May 26th. This show, um, they talked about drag queens as clowns. Someone to uh, do uh, cultural pratfalls, if you will, and to um, poke fun at and reveal some of the serious sides of life um, while... Making a little bit of sugar for the medicine. That's what his old said. Um, and then we had the revolver, fe- um, also part of the revolver festival. We had um, safeguard and feast by Robert Leveruse with uh, collaborator Mireille Rosner, um, as well as uh, the uh, Elliot Vaughn from Chernobyl the Opera. And this is uh, this is clowning and, and movement as well. Um, especially during Feast. Um, just huge movement, uh, both for laughs and to be provocative. And finally, Mump and Smoot in something. Uh, they're reviving their very first Mump and Smoot show. As you heard, uh, it is going to be a uh, probably a packed house, seems like. Um, just like the Rotten Funk, which I think is something um, you might, if you like that, you'll probably like this. Um, that is something that Vancouver really seems to love. So they're from May 22nd till June 2nd. And tonight is the opening night at 8pm. And I will be there um, to see the magic. Uh, Adam is not going to be able to make it, but I still will stick it. So I'm going to go see that with local gore performer, Bloody Betty, because I thought that would be pretty appropriate. And um, later in the evening, we will be at Snag, which is the weekly art show at the Cobalt. You can come in, you can have a drink, play a little N64, and watch live art happen. I was there last week, and this week, uh, Discorder uh, cover... Artist as well as artists from all around town. Ola Vola, personal friend, will be there. So I'm going to go check out her painting live at the Cobalt.
3: And that is it for
0: the show today. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. There was a couple technical difficulties at the top. But that's what happens when you're learning a new, more valuable system. Um, But we had the CULCH. And we had Revolver. And... We had clowns, so I think that makes up for it, guys. Come on, we're doing this for free, so uh, we're just all here to have a good time. Uh, You've been listening to The Arts Report on CITR 101.9, Vancouver's mix of arts, news, reviews, and interviews, and uh, please stay tuned, 6.30 tonight, and you will be having, um, I'm not sure whether it's Sam Squanish or Sup World, but either way, gonna get some great music. Stay tuned, CITR 101.